Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Things Crime. We are here with some awesome guests from Montgomery County in Texas. And I'll tell you what, while we're here, definitely hit that subscribe button and smash that bell so you never miss an episode. Man, this is going to be exciting and just, ah, I'm so excited. I've been trying to sit down with these guys for a long time. Finally, um, uh, you know, they're busy. So Montgomery County is right outside of Houston and plenty of things to do there for our law enforcement. So welcome to Celestina Rossi, Sergeant, sorry, and Detective Fatty Risk. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thank you. So the primary reason that I wanted to have you guys on, not aside from your obvious expertise in law enforcement and investigations, is there was a specific case that you guys were instrumental in solving just recently. So Fatty, if you want to take it and kind of talk about Lisa and her case and, and what happened to her. Yeah, so um, Lisa Jackson was 12 years old when she was abducted and later found murdered in 1979. She went swimming with some family members and friends at her local swimming pool. Something happened where an argument between the group and I believe her relatives or her family members left prior to her leaving the pool. She didn't want to leave at the time, being upset. And the family members were walking down the road back to their house when a vehicle passed them at a high rate of speed, almost striking them. They were, you know, walking along the road and pushed them into the ditch. Them to not get hit. They made it home, and Lisa did not was not there prior to them making it home. And then they set out looking for. She was not at the pool. I remember ended up locating her glasses in the middle of the road on a adjacent street. And that's when they decided to report it to the sheriff's office as a missing person. And it wasn't until, I want to say about a week later, that her body was found several miles away at, up on an oil field road decomposing obvious signs of sexual assault. And they had found that her bathing suit had been used as bindings for her hands. And, um, yeah, that's the background. So coming home from the swimming area, was it a pool or was it a lake? I want to say they had both at that time. They had a swimming pool and a lake next to it. I want to say it was at the pool. Okay. I want to say since this incident happened, they end up filling in the pool. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting. They, um, you know, you do a little research on, on this case and, you know, granted it was what, 43 years ago. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of changes has happened uh, in that area. And this is in Conroe? Yes, the outskirts of Conroe. Yeah. So what what is that area like now? And then compare it with what that area was like back in 1979. It's still kind of a rural, more rural area uh, off of FM 1314. I wasn't born in 79, so I can't really speak to the area back then. <laughs> wow. All right. So... uh I don't know about you, uh, uh, Celestina, but um, yeah, 
that that make that dates me for sure. Anyway, the, <laughs> yeah, I was I was six. So oh, all right. Um, well, that's I I wasn't too much older than that. So yeah, I mean, I, and it's that's what for me. I think when it was when we were looking at this case, is that reality is that you know Lisa Jackson being twelve. This case happening in nineteen seventy nine, and I was six years old. And Detective Risk wasn't even born yet. And, you know, in, in looking at the crime scene photos where she was found, that is a very rural, it's an oil field road. But here in Montgomery County, while it seems like parts of our county have grown up and built up, you know, as you said in your opening, we are on the north side of Houston. And when I first moved here, there was Conroe. And then you traveled a considerable distance and it was rural and then you started hitting the outskirts of Houston. Now in 2023, Conroe bleeds into the woodlands that bleeds into spring that bleeds into Houston. And unless you're familiar with the area, when you hit the northern side of Montgomery County, which includes Willis, Conroe, then the woodlands, you don't know when you go from one jurisdiction to the next. It is now pretty much solid from Willis to Galveston, which is about 100 miles. So the area has just exploded. Our county alone in the last 20 years has gone from about less than a half million people to right now at about a quarter or three quarters of a million people. So the area is, we've had a huge influx of population. But when you go out to Lake Wildwood, that place is still very rural and we still have oil field roads. And so there is still, once you get off the beaten path of I-45, which is our one of our interstate corridors through our county, you can still find those rural areas. And so it is shocking to go out to that area. And it really is, from the crime scene pictures, it does seem like it kind of has just stood the test of time. It, it still is very rural. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm from Idaho and I live in Utah now. And so there's certainly areas of our state as well that yeah, you, you won't see people for uh, driving for hours. And I know there's there's still parts of Texas that way. But when you start getting into Houston area, especially, yeah, it's a, just a massive metropolitan area now. And but back then, again, 43 years ago, yeah, there was actual distance in between you know, the major city, and then you start getting into these outskirts and the, and a little town like, like Conroe would be, you know, how long would it take be just driving along a country road in between cities back then, you know, 20 minutes, something like that. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all that somebody was able to grab a young 12 year old girl and then find some secluded place to uh, rape and murder, her. you know, that would be, nobody would be around to see even see it so the fact that he was able to grab her you know how that happened is there any speculation as to how he actually grabbed her do you think that that car that you described Fadi is that did they think that was the suspect's car yes I believe that was the suspect car uh, right after grabbing Lisa all of it so you think he did he had already grabbed her yep oh okay well that would make sense Uh, trying to get out of there pretty quick so Mm -hmm. yeah you know, the more I read about this story and, and, you know, I have twins that are 12 and, you know, they're boys, but still the thought of them getting snatched by some just 
complete piece of garbage like this guy, what was his name, Gerald Casey. Do you know anything about Gerald Casey? I know he was executed a long time uh, before the case was solved, but anything in particular about him? Just the other case that he's involved in where he was convicted in Montgomery County in 1986, I believe, for capital murder. He was trying to commit a burglary of a home to try to steal some guns and ended up murdering the female occupant of the home. And that's that's what he was convicted of. He didn't sexually assault her. He ended up getting the death penalty for that case. Didn't make any final statement, as I recall. Well, one thing, uh, like like other Western states that I love about Texas, is you mess around too much and uh, you know hurt too many citizens, and they'll take care of you. So, you know, this case has kind of lingered along. And, uh, you know, before we actually came on air, you guys were talking a little bit about how the case progressed. So, you know, we know she was murdered. She, they finally found her. What, what happened once they found her? How did the uh, initial investigation progress? They found a couple of people that they were looking at in the area and focused on interviewing them. There were some confessions. Unfortunately, those didn't turn out to be accurate. The judge felt that they were forced confessions and ended up taking them out after they were arrested for them. So then the case kind of stalled after that. In the initial investigation, Mr. Casey's name actually came up. But unfortunately, uh, the I guess the detectives at the time had tunnel vision on a couple of people and didn't follow up that lead. Now, and, and that's not uncommon. One of the things about today that I think too many people do is they'll take what we know today with speed of the internet and DNA and all those other things and, and apply what we would think would be normal today and apply that to things that happened decades ago. And it's really unfair to do that because back then in 79, even in the eighties, we didn't even have DNA. So you know, DNA didn't really come even start coming on the scene until late '80s, and then in the '90s is really when it, it actually became a worthwhile investigative tool. But even back then, and Celestine, you were you were probably around then in the, in the you know the late '90s. You still needed what a dollar or a, a, a blood spot about this big just to um, to identify what type of blood it is. Do you remember those days? Oh, I do, and I mean I. I started here at the sheriff's office in 1997, and then I didn't promote into the crime lab until 2002. But in 2002, you know, we would have, I mean, touch DNA was absolutely not a thing. You were never looking for any kind of blind DNA. We were sending large samples, whether it be biological fluids like human saliva or blood was always our best you know, our best chance, but the amount of the stain that you've had to have and our results, I mean, they weren't that great. You could have a lot of sample. And, you know, if we were seeing results one in a million, we thought we'd hit pay dirt. You know, now we're seeing results that are one with, you know, 40 zeros attached to it. And it's like, I mean, what does that number even look like? And you write it out on paper and you're just amazed. And so just in my career here in the lab, where what we've seen over the last 20 years is phenomenal, you know, and which just is a science is just fascinating on how far we've come in such a short amount of time. Yeah, the sensitivities of the lab 
and uh, the ability to differentiate now between different profiles. And like you said, if you get a good enough sample, one in quadzillion or whatever that number is, it's pretty big. Yeah. So to be to be able to say with that level of certainty that that you've got the right person is certainly a luxury of today that they definitely didn't have back in the 1979. So so the initial investigation starts and they focus on some other people and then it kind of goes dead. What, you know, throughout the history of this case, when was it to brought off the shelf and looked at again? Our cold case unit started in 2006 with a single detective from a grant, and then he you know, did the hard work of pulling all these old cases and you know, getting them organized and put together in one spot, just a massive, massive undertaking. The original detective was Thomas Duroy. Just looking back and looking at the amount of work he had to do to get these cases where they need to be, it's just incredible. But anyway, he, it started in 2006 with him by himself and then a year later a second detective was brought on and this was you know one of the one of the first cases that it was actually the oldest cold case that we have on our list at the time and it's coincidental but the original cold case detective actually went to school with the victim Lisa Jackson he remembers her an element that was this was one of the cases that he really you know focused on and tried to solve thanks for joining us Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.